our second speaker, Martina Fürst of Graz, is going to speak about a matter which really troubles us, but it's all his beliefs. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So what I will do today is to investigate some beliefs and to investigate the concepts underlying those beliefs and to work out the ramification of such concepts and such beliefs for a physicalist theory of consciousness. So let me start giving you an outline of my talk. I will sketch very briefly the zombie argument. I will sketch very briefly also the phenomenal concept strategy as a response to it. And then I will start applying the phenomenal concept to the zombie itself. And I will do this to argue in the following three steps. I will start demonstrating that accounts of phenomenal concepts which are available in zombie worlds cannot explain our epistemic situation in an adequate way. Secondly, I will offer a constitutional account of phenomenal concepts which meets the explanatory constraint, namely to explain our epistemic situation in the actual world. And I will argue that this is not available in the zombie world. And finally, I will point out that the constitutional account presupposes anti-physicalist features and hence cannot explain away the zombie argument from a physicalist standpoint. So this is what I will try to do in the next 25 minutes. So very briefly, the zombie argument famously uh, has been put forward by Kripke and by Ned Block, by David Chalmers. And the basic idea is that it's conceivable that there is a functional or a physical duplicate of us uh, that lacks phenomenal consciousness. So a very simple version of the zombie argument would run as following. Zombies are conceivable. Whatever is conceivable is possible. Hence, zombies are possible. And if zombies are possible, then physicalism is in trouble. So that's the zombie argument very briefly sketched. Now, what's the phenomenal concept strategy? The phenomenal concept strategy is one of the most powerful responses to the zombie argument, but also to the knowledge argument and to the explanatory gap. And the basic idea with regard to the zombie argument is the following. Uh, the, the conceivability of zombies, the fact that we can conceive of functional duplicates of us lacking phenomenal consciousness, need not be explained by the metaphysical possibility, since there is an alternative explanation available. And the exp alternative explanation is the following. When we conceive of our own experiences, our phenomenal experiences in a first-person point of view, we do this in terms of phenomenal concepts. And when we conceive of the zombie, when we conceive of this duplicate, we employ physical concepts. Since the phenomenal concepts have very special features, uh, they are conceptually isolated from the physical concepts, and therefore we cannot deduce a priori from a whole amount of physical concepts the phenomenal ones. This explains our intuition that the phenomenal experience on the one hand and the physical states on the other hand can come apart, even if in fact this is impossible. We just have this intuition, and the intuition is due to this very special concept involved. So the target of the phenomenal concept strategy as response to zombies is the following. They want to save an ontological physicalism by just granting an epistemic, or in this case, a conceptual gap. This is what David Chalmers has dubbed the type B materialism. So it's granted there is a conceptual gap, there is an epistemic gap involved, but we are not, we don't have to compute an ontological gap from this. 
And the idea is that there are particularities of phenomenal concepts which can explain their conceptual isolation, which can explain why there is this epistemic gap. And there are a vast amount of different versions of phenomenal concepts put forward in recent literature, but very broadly we can see that there we can say that there are two uh, possibilities to explain, to flesh out the, the particularity of phenomenal concepts. And the first one would be to focus on the direct reference function of these concepts. So this is what all the philosophers do that, that put forward an account of demonstrative phenomenal concepts or also Michael Dye's uh, causal recognition and account of phenomenal concepts, which he put forward some years ago before he abandoned it, would fit into this uh, group A where we concentrate on the direct reference of concepts. The group B would be those philosophers who focus on the special mode of presentation of the concept. So they are fit in all the quotational accounts, like the one put forward by David Pablino, Katalin Balog, and also the constitutional accounts, which Katalin Balog is now defending, and I think that also Kislero's exemplarization fits into the group B. So these are broadly conceived two groups of fleshing out the particularities of concepts. Of phenomenal concept. Okay, so next let me apply the phenomenal concepts to the zombie itself. Let us see what happens when we when we want to say that also the zombie has something like a phenomenal concept. Remember the zombie is functionally equivalent to us, but since he has no experience, he can't have the same concepts we are having, so he must have something like a pseudo-phenomenal concept. So this is David Chalmers' level to say it's a pseudo-phenomenal concept, but this pseudo-phenomenal concept has to be conceptually isolated from the other the other concept that zombie has as well. Because in the zombie world, if the zombie is functionally equivalent, there must be conceivable a zombie Mary who goes out, looks at the blue sky, she has no blue experience, but she gains a new concept. And she says, oh, now I learned something. Because she has to be functionally equivalent to, to real Mary. The same, there must be someone like zombie charmers who thinks about zombies in a zombie world and thinks that zombies are conceivable. So we must have something like pseudo-phenomenal concepts that are conceptually isolated also in the zombie world. Recall that zombie has no experience. So all accounts of phenomenal concepts that involve a phenomenal mode of presentation are precluded in the zombie world. They are not available. The zombie can't have a concept that involves a phenomenal mode of presentation. But there are some possible accounts of pseudo-phenomenal concepts that are available in the zombie world. One possibility would be a purely demonstrative account that focuses only on the demonstrative function and doesn't talk much about the mode of presentation. Such an account has been put forward by Janet Levin. Or quotational account which concentrates on the vehicle of the concept rather than the mode of presentation. So this is what David Babineau puts forward in 2007. He changed some details from 2003 to 2007. And here is a quote from his 2007 book. On my account, phenomenal concepts do indeed refer not because of their phenomenology, and therefore, other states with a different or no phenomenology could refer to the same experience. So for Babineau, only his new account of phenomenology is not really the important issue. So this would be compatible with zombies, pseudo-phenomenal concepts. 
So on this hand, we would have a, an explanation uh, of the conceptual isolation of the zombie concept. The zombie also has to instantiate the functional state, in his case, to gain the concept. This would explain what happens to zombie Mary. Zombie Mary goes out and instantiates a functional state, and therefore gains the concept. The functional state has to be the vehicle of the concept. This would explain zombie charmers who conceives of zombies. And the reference is fixed by the functional state. So this, so the zombie could have a pseudo-phenomenal concept, and the pseudo-phenomenal concept could explain the conceptual isolation and why zombie Mary is conceivable, and so on. <coughs> uh, what about beliefs? Uh, where these concepts are underlying? We have two possibilities. We can say that the pseudo-phenomenal concept that zombies employing is empty. There are no references in the zombie world, and therefore the corresponding pseudo-phenomenal belief of the zombie lacks truth value. The second possibility would be to say the pseudo-phenomenal concept has another content than our concepts have, namely this functional state X. On this case, the corresponding pseudo-phenomenal belief of the zombie turns out to be true. The zombie employs a concept that uh, I'm currently having this functional state X, what he refers to is a direct experience, and he is in this functional state X. So on the second interpretation, the belief could turn out to be true. Does this turn it into pseudo-phenomenal knowledge? Uh, on interpretation theory, A, clearly not, because the belief has lacks truth value, so we can't talk about knowledge on this, in this case. On the second interpretation, maybe yes, this depends on what sort of what theory of justification you are relying on. So, for example, if you're a reliabilist and you say it's okay if there's a reliable protest that makes the zombie utter the sentence, then it's true, then it's justified. So maybe there is something like phenomenal knowledge for the zombie. He has a reliable process. Every time when he instantiates this functional state, this triggers in, in him the utterance, I'm now having a red experience. Therefore, on A, we are clearly in a better epistemic position because our phenomenal beliefs are true and the phenomenal beliefs of zombies lack truth value. Truth value. On a second interpretation, if combined with reliabilism, maybe we are not better justified than zombies. Maybe there is no difference between us and zombies. We have a reliable process because we are experiencing red, and this makes us utter an experience in red, and the zombie has another sort of reliable process. So maybe we are not better off. But let me investigate this a little bit deeper. Let us think a bit longer about, for example, Conscious Mary versus Zombie Mary. What before her release, when Mary is already confined to her achromatic room, Conscious Mary, as we all know, cannot deduce a priori the phenomenon concept from the whole amount of physical concept she has. She's physically omniscient. Zombie Mary maybe is in the same situation. She also needs to instantiate a functional state in her case to gain the new pseudo-phenomenal concept. And hence the epistemic gap in the achromatic room of Zombie Mary is also explained. So we are far off. But what about after her release? Conscious Mary, or also each of us, still wonders why Brainstead X associates with a red experience and not a green one or a blue one or maybe none experience at all. So we wonder, we still wonder why is this brain that really associates <coughs> with this qualitative field, 
It could have, we can imagine it could associate with another one or maybe with none at all. We can imagine zombies. The remaining gap faced by Zombie Mary, that also Zombie Mary wonders about this, is conceivable. I grant this is conceivable, but I think there is no plausible explanation easily at hand why Zombie Mary should still wonder why, in her case, a functional concept she had before associates now with a new pseudo-phenomenal concept of the form this, for example, where this is followed by a blank and the blank is supposed to be filled by a functional state. So when Mary wonders, why is my functional state X associates with this functional state, why there still should be some bustlement is not so easily not so easily, easily explainable than in our case. So I think the pseudo-phenomenal concept cannot explain the our epistemic gap that we are undergoing in its full extent. It can explain some source of the epistemic gap, it can explain what happens to Mary when she goes out and gains a new concept, but then it seems that the situation is fixed for example. For example, Mary she has learned everything. But for real Mary or for us there remains this bustlement. Why is the brain state associated with this specific qualitative field. So Tommy beliefs do not capture what we are worrying about, how experiences can be identical or necessarily supervenient on functional states. The reason is that zombies cannot entertain the very same thought we are entertaining. Either the thought is meaningless, this would be on interpretation A, and on interpretation B, it boils down to the question how one functional state can be identical to another functional state, both conceived on a functional concept, because the pseudo-phenomenal concepts are still functional concepts. There's a second problem for pseudo-phenomenal concepts, namely that they cannot account for the intuition that there is an epistemic difference between us, qua being conscious, and the zombie that likes uh, phenomenal consciousness. We have the intuition, there is an epistemic difference. We are somehow better off when we are experiencing red and then uttering, I'm now undergoing a red experience. But as I argued, if we combine this with reliabilism, there is no experience. The zombie is as good as we are in, in uttering true sentences and in having phenomenal knowledge. So to sum up, the pseudo-phenomenal concepts cannot capture our epistemic gap in its full extent, and they cannot capture the intuition that we, qua being conscious, are in, in an epistemic better position than the zombies, maybe because we have something like direct knowledge based on evidence. So let us see if there is an alternative account available that don't faces these two problems. And I would propose a constitutional account of phenomenal concepts which roughly has the following idea. We can imagine Mary who goes out uh, from her acrobatic room, she sees the blue sky, she ex experiences her very first blue experience. She attentively focuses on it, she discriminates it from all the other experiences she's currently having, generalizes about it, and therefore this process gives the experience itself a conceptual structure. So the experience itself gains a conceptual structure, and this leads to the forming of a new phenomenal concept which encapsulates the experience and which therefore refers directly to it. So the basic idea is the following. The phenomenon experience is a constitutive part of the concept. So it's really literally the core of the concept. Therefore the phenomenal concept is individuated by its mode of presentation, not by its vehicle. 
And since the token of the referent is present in the concept, there is self-presentation involved. So it presents the class of experience it belongs to, and it is itself a token, a member of the class. The phenomenal concept refers directly in this case, and in all goes the work, because it's constituted by the experience itself. And my claim is that this constitutional account can deal with the two problems mentioned above. And let me show you how it can do this. The first problem was the epistemic gap in its full extent. An explanation according to constitutional phenomenal concepts would be the following. The constitutional phenomenal concept presents the, uh, the reference directly, so there is no separate mode of presentation involved, and it presents it necessarily. That means we are directly acquainted with the phenomenal experience, and therefore the phenomenal concept reveals the essence of the referent. But conceiving of the alleged identical state, so the physicalist says it's the same state we conceive under a physical concept that we are now conceiving under phenomenal concept. So it's an alleged identical state under a physical concept should capture the state's fundamental nature, because the fundamental nature from part of the physicalist is a physical state, it's a physical state. But at the same time, conceiving of it from a, under a uh, physical concept gives no access to the essential properties of the referent. Only conceiving it under the phenomenal concepts gives access to the essential properties. So one concept should lead us to the fundamental nature, and the other one should give us access to the essential properties. And since these are conceptually isolated, we still wonder about how this alleged identity should be true. The second problem was that we have the intu intuition we are epistemically better off than the zombie. And also there is an explanation according to the constitutional account. We have evidence of our current experience because in employing a constitutional phenomenal concept, a token of the referent serves as the phenomenal mode of presentation. Uh, our beliefs about this are direct because it thereby represents itself, so it's a representation involved. And we have truth of the uh, relevant belief because the belief identifies the referent of the phenomenal concept due to the present experience token. So it cannot fail to be true. So when I'm employing, when I'm uh, having a basic application of the phenomenal concept, I'm having a red experience and I'm now saying I'm now having a red experience, this cannot fail to be true because the experience is present in the concept employed. And finally, we have a justification uh, of the following kind. The belief is justified on the basis of this evidence. And this is a sort of a justification that zombie lacks. The justification of the zombie was just that he has a reliable process that triggers the right output. So the zombie lacks justification of the same extent. Plus, we are justified also in a stronger sense than the zombie is. Our evidence is grounded in the internal constitution of the concept, which turns our beliefs automatically into knowledge. The phenomenal concept never fails to carry the relevant information about the experience, because the experience is part of the concept. How do to carry this information? This can be seen as a stronger kind of justification than just having a reliable process triggering the right output. The reason is that it's conceivable that the functional state of the zombie and the relevant output could come apart, but this is not conceivable in our case. Therefore, we could say that we know necessarily that we are in the relevant state, whereas the zombie just knows contingently 
that he or she is in the relevant state, in the corresponding state. So to sum up, if one invokes the phenomenal concept strategy to explain the conceivability of zombies, then zombies with pseudo-phenomenal concepts are conceivable too. Pseudo-phenomenal concepts have to be firstly compatible with physicalism, and secondly they have to explain the epistemic gap. I said this can be found in some versions of the physicalist phenomenal concept strategy, namely such versions that do not involve a phenomenal mode of presentation. Candidates are the demonstrative accounts, purely demonstrative accounts, or accounts like Papineau's recent version of gradational phenomenal concepts, which are individuated by the physical vehicle. So the idea is that it's a newer vehicle that individuates the concept in our actual world. So, what is my conclusion for accounts of phenomenal concepts? We should not adopt these accounts in explaining our epistemic situation. Maybe they fit perfectly well for zombie world, but we should not adopt them for explaining our uh, epistemic situation. Why not? Because first, they do neither offer a plausible explanation or reason for the epistemic gap in its full extent, why we keep on wondering why our brain state associates with this qualitative field, nor do they capture the real question which bothers us. And second, the beliefs constituted by pseudo-phenomenal concepts lack a sort of evidence and are not justified in the same ways as, as we have the intuition that our beliefs are justified. Therefore, accounts which do not involve a phenomenal mode of presentation and which are compatible with the zombie world can neither explain the epistemic gap in its full extent, nor the knowledge we have about our own mental states. But an alternative account, as I argued, is available, the constitutional account, and this one meets this explanatory uh, constraints. But this account is not available in ensemble world. So we have accounts available in ensemble words that don't meet the two explanatory constraints, but we have an account that meets as explained, and this is not available in ensemble world. So therefore, in, we should conclude that our genuine phenomenal concepts are constituted by phenomenal experiences and they are individuated by the mode of presentation because this account has more explanatory power. This explains our anti-epistemic gap regarding experiences and physical states and this explains also how we have direct knowledge of our current experiences. What's the conclusion for the physicalist phenomenal concept strategy uh, in general? Physicalist accounts of phenomenal concepts might explain some functional aspects of the epistemic gap, and combined with reliabilism, they might also account for phenomenal knowledge. But the constitutional phenomenal concepts have more explanatory power. They can firstly explain the whole extent of the gap, they can secondly account for the real problem underlying the gap, and they can finally offer a more adequate explanation of our direct knowledge of current experiences. So, physicalist accounts of phenomenal concepts which are compatible with zombies' pseudo-phenomenal concepts have less explanatory power than constitutional phenomenal concepts. Constitutional phenomenal concepts, on the other hand, are not available in the zombie world because they involve phenomenal modes of presentations. Why not? They presuppose the phenomenal experience and they presuppose self-presentation. 
Therefore, the only phenomenal concepts which explain our epistemic situation adequately cannot be used as a physicalist response or answer to the zombie argument. So this was my conclusion. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. We have 50 minutes time for discussions. Uh, I'm sure this thank you for stimulating paper. There's, uh, of course, a lot of issues. I'm sure I didn't get anything, but I want to be very conservative today, make a very conservative remark. Uh, it seems that in your account, uh, phenomenal concepts uh, in some way uh, refer to experience. Yeah. Uh, so you would would you say that uh, my uh, a phenomenal an example of a phenomenal concept would be red? I'm not having a red experience. Uh, that's a sentence. Uh, that's not a concept. A red experience. Yeah. Red experience. Uh, so would you say that your uh, your concept of red experience differs radically from mine? Uh, it seems to me the point I want to get at. It seems to me that you're running into problems that Wittgenstein uh, criticized when with his private language argument. Yeah. You, have a, you have a private entity to, to which uh, the phenomenal concept refers, uh, and which is presupposed by the phenomenal concept, and there might be problems with that, uh, as we've been pointed out. Uh, yes, I think you're right. Yeah. I'm choosing the question. Just a follow-up to this question, I had a very same problem, because when you introduced your own account, your first step was to say that Mary introspectively discriminates mm -hmm. the phenomenal experience. So, mm -hmm. First of all, what exactly does introspection mean here? And will it then lead to the situation we just have been uh, looking at, namely that I, in a way, in an isolated way, identify my own experience, whatever it is, and then I just talk about my red experience and you talk about your red experience, but what are the conditions under which we can really introspectively identify a certain experience? Um. Yeah, it's more or less the same point, I think, yeah. Um, I think both of you are right that there is, if, if we uh, think of Wittgenstein, that there is a problem with my account. But I think that, um, in fact, when, we, when we have phenomenal experience, we can't really figure out if we are sharing the very same experience, if we are talking about that. The only thing, but because this is what, what, our, what a thought experiments like the inverted spectrum shows. It could, when we're just saying, I'm now having, uh, you're having a green experience, I'm having a green experience when looking at this bottle, I can't figure out, it's the problem of other minds, what you're really experiencing. So I think what really happens is that, that I introspect and I know uh, what, and figure out what qualitative feel I'm having when looking at this bottle. And I form a concept about this. Maybe it's some kind of private language when I'm employing phenomenal concepts, in basic applications, talking about my own experience. But so I, I grant that this, this, this is a problem, that, that I'm committed to, to say, okay, maybe we cannot, I can't figure out what, what, what you are experiencing when you are telling me that you are having a great experience. But, but, but what, how do you identify your experience? What are the criteria? I, I would say, I would, I would ask the same question if I may, uh, in slightly different terms. You would, you would accept there are concepts uh, in play that have application, criteria for application, and the criteria for application are social. Uh, and, and we can correct others. When you say, when I say I have a red experience looking at this bottle, you would better go, you know, to, to the column. 
and, uh, and so there are social criteria that, has, that means there must be some intersubjective uh, uh, standards that... Uh, yeah. I, I would go along the way David Chalmers goes, who said that there are a vast amount of, phenomena, of, of concepts we are employing when we are talking about real experiences, and some of them are relational, some of them are, we, we can talk about, some of them are individuated by causal stimulus and so on, and, and, so on. And, so, and there is some sort of concept this is what Chalmers calls a view phenomenon concept, which is private in some sense. It's a, it's a concept which has a certain function in my inner life, which, has, which helps me to figure out, oh, this is the experience I had yesterday, and that's the one which is my favorite, and so on. But it just has a function, of, I, I can't communicate really about this. But we have other sorts of concepts about real experience where we can communicate. We can say the experience which is triggered by wavelength X, and so on. So we have different sort of concepts for, for one experience. But this very specific one, it's, I have to admit here yeah, that it's a consequence of my account that this is private. We have another question. Yeah. Do, you, do you then have two essentially differently individuated reference? I didn't get the um, question. My question would be, do you then have two ontologically essentially differently individuated reference? Uh, in, case, in uh, case of phenomenal concept or uh, non physical, physical concept, concept yeah. yeah, I think that if so, my question would be if this would um, necessarily lead to uh, ontological dualism regarding physical properties and um, function, uh, sorry, and phenomenal uh, properties. Yeah, it does. It does. So the account, uh, the constitutional account I'm putting forward here, so I uh, just flesh it out very briefly because it's, it's on the part of the organization, uh, points toward a dualism regarding the reference. So I think that is the, if we really figure out how this concept are constituted and how they function, and if we focus on the self-presentation involved and so on, that we will figure out that these private phenomena concepts which refer to properties that are not reducible to physical properties. So that our physical concepts refer to something else. So that we, so it's it's a dualist account, and therefore this cannot be used as a physicalist phenomenal concept strategy because it has dualist consequences. And all the others account was my argumentation that could be used as a physicalist response that are compatible with a zombie world and therefore compatible with a physicalist uh, world. They cannot explain really our epistemic situation, they cannot really explain why we, what we are wondering about, and they cannot explain our intuition that we are somehow better off when we say we are undergoing a red experience than just a physical duplicate, a functional duplicate is, that has a concept that doesn't involve this phenomenon. But so the ontological duality between the properties is responsible for the epistemic difference. That's yeah. what you're saying. That's this lady? Yes, I have just a little question about your conceptual constitutional concept. Yeah, do you hope that um, because the experience is red is part of that yeah. concept, um, this is why the application of the concept cannot fail to do? Is that really what you mean? So I, I cannot misapply this concept, I cannot mistake it. I can correct things. Uh, I'm not talking about blue things for, or red things, but blue experiences or red experiences. And when I'm having a red experience, and I'm employing in a first-person application this, this uh, red concept, I'm saying I'm now having a red experience, and the red experience is part of the concept, then it cannot be failed to be true, because it's, it's present in the, in the very moment when I'm employing the concept, it's present. Okay. And so there's a truth loop involved. 
No, I don't refer to external things. I'm, I'm not saying the sky is blue. I'm saying I'm now having a blue experience. It could be that the sky is gray and I'm having sunglasses. So that's one might wonder how you how do you get to work? I mean, you always talk about your experiences. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, my my talk was about uh, what's the nature of phenomenal consciousness and can it be reduced? But you are right. That's that's an extremely difficult point. How you can come out from phenomenal consciousness to that's, uh, I would need some more time to give an answer to this, 30 years or so. Yeah, so, Martina, what, I, I wonder what is actually the concept of concept you are using here? Uh, okay. In what sense a phenomenal concept encapsulates, an ex or a concept can encapsulate an experience, or an experience can be a part of a concept? Um, concepts seem to me um, are somehow general entities, they apply to different experiences to different tokens and um, so in what sense every single token of my experience is a part of the concept? Um, okay, um, in literature there, there is distinguished between singular concepts and general concepts in the case of phenomenal concepts. So you can say when you're having just one experience you have a very singular concept that applies only to this token. So maybe you're right that some people wouldn't call this really con a full flash concept. But uh, what I said, and it's this very discriminated experience, she has one of, to prefer two blue experiences, and then she generalizes about it. She encapsulates one token of blue experience. And she generalizes about this, and then she has a, a, a general concept of blue experience, and, and she can apply this and say, oh, I like this one more than the gray experiences I had in my ethnic mm -hmm. or. Oh, this one is more beautiful than the one when I look at a red tomatoes or something like this. Yeah, but if an experience is a part of, if my experience is part of a concept, as soon as I do not have any more my experience, then I should not have also the concept anymore. Um, yes. Um, okay. There, normally, uh, it's made a, a second distinction between basic and derivative mm -hmm. phenomena. And you can have, uh, for example, the Babylon is saying you have a basic phenomenal concept when you're having the experience, and the experience is really there present to you when you're employing the concept. But then you can have a derivative concept which is derived from this basic one. It, it bears a causal relation to the basic one, but it doesn't have this experience of full flesh in it. So, for example, when you say, um, um, Oh, I remember the toothache I had last week ago. You're not really feeling the toothache you are having last mm -hmm. week. You're implying a derivative <coughs> concept. Mm -hmm. When you're saying, oh, I'm now having a toothache, there's really the, mm -hmm. the pain present. So there, a way out would be to say we make this distinction between basic and derivative concepts, and the derivative one just bears this causal relation to the experience. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, the experience has to be, it's a presupposition. So a zombie couldn't gain this derivative concept because he doesn't have the, he never had the, the experience in first hand. You have to have the experience first to form the basic uh, phenomenal concept, and then you derive mm -hmm. the derivative phenomenal concept from this. Uh, yes, uh, I have a, a question of clarification related yeah. to slide 18. You were talking yeah. about uh, directness, truth, and justification. Yeah. Directness, or well, by directness you mean something like immediateness. Or, yeah. 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 But uh, I mean, is it? Is it, 
then that's somehow uh, uh, implied, you know, in, in, in the premises that that's the answer to, to these three issues. Uh, I mean, it, it seems somehow uh, 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 trivially true that that they, uh, that, that they are uh, given account of justification, immediateness, and truth, but but it's uh, I mean it's knowing necessarily, and, and that it seems. I don't, I don't see how this account would, uh, would be better uh, than the other account. How oh, this account would be better than, than uh, an account, a reliabilist account? Well, yes, I think that was the, that was the, the, the contrast made here. Uh, I think that this account captures better what is really going on when we are employing phenomenal concepts because we have the intuition that, that we, are, we have something like evidence when we're saying, I'm now having a red experience and I'm looking at something red that, that I have that there is more going on than just having a reliable process. I have some sort of evidence. And I think that, that the, uh, the constitution of the counter phenomenal concept can explain what's going on. That's just an explanation. I, I'm just uh, figuring out what's going on, why it's, it's direct, it's, uh, we have it, to prove yes, it well. It's always immediate, it's always true, and it's always justified. So how, how can it give uh, an explanatory account? I mean, according to this account. I'm afraid I don't get the better question. What I wanted to do is just to, to say, okay, what are the possible accounts? Why, how can we explain why the zombie has knowledge and how can we explain why we have knowledge? And I think that we, we have the intuition that, that this knowledge is a very strong sort of knowledge we're having and that we have some, something like evidence and that this is just just uh, giving in detail what uh, how our situation could be described and that we can't give this description for the zombie because he has no phenomenal experience, so he, he doesn't have the sort of evidence. The best he can have is just reliable processes triggering one output triggering, the, uh, one input triggering the right output. And this, and the, we have, it's, it's just maybe it's, 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 it's not an argument, it's just that I think we have the intuition that there is more going on or that we are better justified. And that this account um, is stronger than the one that, that we can offer for the zombie. And maybe it fits better with our intuition, what's going on when we are having a red experience and I'm saying I'm now having, or when I'm in pain and I'm saying now I'm in pain. We have the, we have the intuition there's more going on. Yeah, than but we must accept some kind of strong internalism in order to, uh, to really uh, agree with you, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. just because all this is new for me. Uh, what differentiates uh, the epistemic capabilities of, of us and, and the zombies? Yeah? Because you said zombie Mary can see the blue sky and make the experience of blue for the first time. Mm -hmm. But you also said uh, she could not make the actual experience for two days. Uh, would you just please repeat what this, the difference is? Okay, when Zombie Mary goes out and she looks at the blue sky, she has no blue experience because she has no phenomenal experience at all. So she goes out, she looks at the blue sky, and you can imagine her some, like a robot. There are some stimulus getting on her apparatus, and then she just, this makes her trigger the, uh, the right output saying, oh, I'm now having a blue experience. But the Zombie Mary has no blue experience. It's just that she's in a functional state, and when she when this this wavelengths uh, stimulate 
uh, zombie retina or something like this, it makes her just trigger a sentence, it makes her just having the impression that, that there is a new concept involved and that she's learning something, but what in fact happens is just like a robot who, is, who has right input-output causal relation. And when real Mary goes out, she sees the blue sky and she really has a new experience. So that's, that's she really gains... Because of what? Because of self-consciousness? Because uh, she has phenomenal consciousness. Real Mary, so as, as you, when you go out and you look at the uh, blue sky, you have the experience of blueness, you have a blue experience when you're looking at the sky. And the zombie does the next this. That's the ex-hypothesis, the zombie is functionally equivalent, he says the same sentence, but he lacks this inner life, he lacks this qualitative feel. So it's, there is no what it's like to be a zombie. But it's a what it's like to see blue for I, I don't get the difference because I saw once the blue sky and afterwards somebody told me that this is called blue. Yes. So it's the same thing. And you, there, there is no what it's like. So in, in your opinion you have no what it's like best to see blue and it doesn't differentiate from what it's like to see red. No, but uh, something Mary would afterwards see red and also acknowledge that this is something different than blue. She would utter the same sentence, yeah? But she wouldn't know this uh, phenomenal difference in her life. It's just that her functional, her functional makeup would make her utter a different sentence. Thank you very much. Our time is over. Parts of such conferences like breaks. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.